Hello again, friends, and welcome back after a long hiatus to Wednesdays with Wesley. I'm Bob Kaler, pastor of Tri Lakes United Methodist Church in Monument, Colorado. And I've gotten some emails from folks who've been listening to all of the episodes that we we banked uh, last year and uh, earlier this year. And some have said, when is Wednesdays with Wesley coming back? Well, we're back. And I couldn't think of a better time to do that than this week, where we are moving toward January 1st as the first Sunday of 2023, and an opportunity for many of our churches to do the Wesley Covenant service, which we do at Tri Lakes every year. And I'm excited to talk about this because if you haven't done the Wesley Covenant service, I really want to encourage you, pastors and lay leaders, to think about doing this. If you don't do it this Sunday because the the attendance is going to be light after New Year's Eve, you might want to do it on January 8th or one of the early Sundays in the year. Because for me, this is a way for us to kind of reboot as the rest of the culture goes about doing New Year's resolutions and all those kinds of things. The Wesley Covenant Service is an opportunity for us as Christians and as Methodists to really begin the year with the proper focus. So I want to give you a little bit of background on the Wesley Covenant Service and then also some ways that you can use it. It is found, if you're a United Methodist, it's found in our Book of Worship. If you're from another Methodist tradition, you may be able to find that. I'll also put a link to the United Methodist version of the service in the show notes so that those of you who may not be in the United Methodist tradition uh, can look at that. But it's a it's something that Wesley kind of stumbled onto, as he did with many other things. He borrows a lot. I, I love the... Uh, the particular biography of Wesley that I read a while ago that said that Wesley's Wesley's theology was really whatever he had just read, which I think is kind of too much of a general uh, generalization of what Wesley uh, was about. But certainly he was not afraid to borrow from other traditions in order to have the, the right kind of mix of things for the early Methodists. And so this particular service comes from uh, a, a, a a wide history, particularly from something that Wesley read, a 1663, 1663 book by Richard Alain, who was a Puritan, and the Latin, and I'm not, never took Latin, so forgive my pronunciation, but it's called the Vindicia Pietatis, or a vindication of godliness in the greater strictness and spirituality of it. So this is published in 1663. Wesley will make it as uh, part of his uh, Christian library in 1753. Wesley, Wesley publishes a 50-volume set of books. Uh, it kind of comes out a little bit at a time, but it's a collection, he says, of extracts from and abridgments of the choicest pieces of practical divinity, which has been published in the English tongue. So he reads Richard Elaine. He puts this in the library and it's really focused on 16th through 18th century authors writing about Christian spirituality. We might think of it kind of as a compendium of spiritual direction for the people of that era. And if you've read any of those kinds of things, Wesley is certainly influenced by people uh, who, who wrote a lot of spiritual things in, in those days. Uh, Jeremy Taylor, for example, and uh, Seedbed, the publishing house, has published some of these classic works that are really great to go back and take a look at because they can give you a sense of Wesley's own influences. 
But Wesley publishes this, uh, this from Richard Allain in his Christian library. And then he takes a chapter of that, a chapter of that particular work called The Application of the Whole. And on Monday, August 11, 1755, at the French church at Spitalfields in London, Wesley uses that particular chapter to talk about covenant and holiness. Now, according to one account I read, there were 1,800 people present when he talked about this. But this is considered to be the first use of a covenant-style service in Methodism. And Wesley will remark about this kind of service being used throughout the early Methodist history. He talks about it in his journal in 1756 and 1765 and in 1775. And over and over again, he calls this kind of thing a remarkable blessing because it focuses people on what's most important, and that is our relationship with God. Now, these services were done at different times throughout the year. Of course, the first one done on August 11th in 1755, But in London, in the Methodist Center there in London, it was primarily done on New Year's Day. And I think that's a great time for to do this if you're not on a particularly on a a year where New Year's Day falls on a Sunday and you're looking for something to start the year with, this is perfect. And so this is part of the Methodist tradition from London uh, from about the 1770s onward. And the original words to this are lost, the original words of the service that Wesley put together, but they are thought to be captured in a publication that he put together in 1780 called Directions for Renewing Our Covenant with God. And you can buy copies of that still, and it's a, it's, it's about 30 pages or so of, of Wesley reflecting on how to renew our covenant. This is where we derive the Wesley covenant prayer from. But we always have to remember that prayer is part of a larger service. I know a lot of United Methodists, for example, will use the Wesley Covenant prayer on that particular first Sunday of the year, but it's really part of a larger service. And I think you miss something when you only use the covenant prayer and don't put it within its larger context. Now, Wesley, interestingly, does not put this service in his original uh, liturgy for America, when 1784, he publishes the uh, Sunday service of the Methodists, which is primarily for his followers here in America. The covenant service does not appear in there, but we preserve it in our Methodist liturgy, and we have versions of it in different traditions. Different Methodist denominations use different versions of it, but we have a version of it in our United Methodist Book of Worship. I also have a copy of the British Methodist uh, Book of Worship, and there's a copy of that in there as well. And it is really a marvelous thing. If you're looking at the United Methodist Book of Worship, you can find it on page 289. Actually, the introduction's on 288, but 289 and then leading into the covenant service. And some Methodist churches do use this on the first Sunday of the year, I think it's a marvelous tradition. As I said, it was connected to January 1st or the first Sunday of the year, largely because there's also another Methodist thing called the watch night service, which I know is very popular, for uh, for example, in the African Methodist Episcopal tradition, where uh, 
People spend New Year's Eve welcoming in the new year in prayer and in worship rather than in drunken revelry, as Wesley would say. And we've done that ourselves, where we've had a prayer vigil on New Year's Eve and then the first Sunday of the new year to do this Wesley Covenant service. So I want to just kind of walk you through the service because I think it really is a marvelous thing. And if you're if you're trying to figure out what to do on this first Sunday of the new year, attendance might be down a little bit or people, you know, maybe we're having one service instead of three services this Sunday. You might want to consider using this. We actually print out the entire service and make sure that it's available for our congregation to take home with them and and also a place for them to sign their name at the end of it. And I've heard from a lot of our folks that they keep this with their devotional guides and things like that during the year to refer back to over and over again, because this is something that we're doing before God and committing ourselves to him. Now, the the Wesley Covenant service is designed to be used as part of the regular liturgy. So if you use the liturgy as it's found in our United Methodist hymnal, as it's found in our United Methodist Book of Worship, this is a natural way to use the, the covenant service. If you're from a more contemporary uh, style of worship, you can integrate this within that also very easily, maybe add it as part of uh, response to the word, response to the sermon. But the service begins uh, with uh, the suggestion here, a great Charles Wesley hymn. And I always try to pick Charles Wesley hymns when I use the covenant service. The, the opening hymn, Come Let Us Use the Grace Divine, which is really what the covenant service is about, is about activating God's grace in our lives. And then uh, an opening prayer, a litany of thanksgiving, and then uh, proclamation, And there are a number of texts that you can use for the covenant service. The the lectionary, of course, does something different. But if you're using the covenant service, there are a lot of different scriptures, both Old Testament and New Testament, that talk about covenant and particularly about renewal of covenant. Think about Deuteronomy 31, for example, where Moses once again takes the people through a a covenant renewal. Or uh, other places, 2 Kings, Uh, where uh, Josiah, Hezekiah, they renew the covenant with God, uh, the good kings of Israel. I think of Jeremiah 31, uh, 31 to 34, where Jeremiah talks about a new covenant that will no longer be written on stone, but will be written on the tablets of human hearts. That's actually what I'm going to be preaching on this Sunday. I've also used Genesis 15 to go back even further Remember in Genesis 12, God makes a promise to Abraham that he's going to make of him a great nation. But then in Genesis 15, God actually enacts the covenant. They literally cut a covenant. Abraham has to cut these animals in half, and then he's supposed to, according to the custom, walk through the bloody pieces as a way of saying, if I fail to uphold the covenant, may I become like these animals. But you'll notice in that story in Genesis 15, that it's actually God who walks through those bloody pieces in a pot and a flaming torch. That symbolism is very powerful because what will God do for us in Jesus Christ but take on that covenant and and uphold it in ways that we could not, and he takes our bloody punishment uh, for our failure to uphold the covenant. It's a pretty interesting connection to make there in Genesis 15. If, you're, if you want to get into that more and more, 
uh, just stream of consciousness, not thought here, I, I, I would really recommend that you go grab a copy of Sandra Richter's Epic of Eden, where she talks about that in a very powerful way. But after the proclamation, that's when you move into the Wesley Covenant service itself. And the invitation is an invitation to commit. Commit yourselves to Christ as his servants. Give yourselves to him that you may belong to him. Christ has many services to be done. Some are more easy and honorable. Others are more difficult and disgraceful. Some are suitable to our inclinations and interests. Others are contrary to both. In some, we may please Christ and please ourselves, but then there are other works where we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves. It is necessary, therefore, that we consider what it means to be a servant of Christ. I always say to people when we do the Wesley Covenant service that this is a dangerous way of praying because we're basically saying to God, put me where you will. And that's the Wesley Covenant prayer, which comes there in the invitation. Lord, make me what you will. I put myself fully into your hands. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and with a willing heart give it all to your pleasure and disposal. This is a prayer of surrender. God, do with me what you will. Your kingdom is most important. And in our culture where there is so much emphasis on the individual and doing what is right for ourselves, this prayer takes us right out of that mindset and says, no, our whole lives are to be lived in deference to God and in and according to God's will. Christ will be savior of none but his servants. He is the source of salvation to those who obey. Christ will have no servants except by consent. Christ will not accept anything except full consent to all that he requires. Christ will be all in all, or he will be nothing. So this is an all or nothing kind of covenant invitation. And the covenant involves several things. First, uh, the service says to set apart time more than once to spend to be spent alone before the Lord. And this is a great opportunity for you to think about your own devotional practice. How are you practicing the means of grace on a daily basis? How are you spending time in prayer? How are you spending time in the Word? And as you're making New Year's resolutions, this is a great opportunity for you to re- redo, redo that in covenant. I use the Book of Common Prayer. It's very helpful to me because it it is the, the rhythm, day and evening, but there may be other ways you can do that. As you're thinking about starting the new year, one of the other resources I would recommend is from Seedbed. Their wake-up call, uh, written by my friend J.D. Walt and others, is just phenomenal. So you might want to check that out too. Seedbed, wake-up call. Second, he talks about being serious and in a spirit of holy awe and reverence. To not treat our... Our spiritual life lightly, but rather to recognize that we are subjects of the king. Third, to claim God's covenant, rely upon God's promise of giving grace and strength. So we recognize that we can't do it on our own. We need God's help in order to maintain this covenant. Fourth, to resolve to be faithful. You have given to the Lord your hearts. You have opened your mouths to the Lord, and you have dedicated yourself to God. With God's power, never go back. Reminds me of what Jesus says, the one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. And last then, be prepared to renew your covenant with the Lord. Fall down on your knees, lift your hands toward heaven, open your hearts to the Lord, and then you get into the covenant prayer. 
Now, the covenant prayer here is somewhat different than the short version, which you see in the invitation, the more famous version that we tend to print and, and use everywhere. But it's, a, it's an interactive prayer. It's a, it's a dialogue between the liturgist and the people. And it's about renouncing idols. It's about turning to Christ. God has offered to be your God again through Christ if you would let him. And so we acknowledge God to be our Lord. Again, this is surrender. This is an opportunity for us to say, we do submit ourselves to you, God. We're not living for ourselves. We're not believing in ourselves as much as we are believing in you. God has given the Lord Jesus Christ as the only way and means of coming to God. And so we, again, reinvest, reinforce our covenant that we made when we became Christians. I love this part of the prayer. Jesus, I do here on bended knee accept Christ as the only new and living way and sincerely join myself in a covenant with him. O blessed Jesus, I come to you hungry, sinful, miserable, blind, and naked, unworthy even to wash the feet of your servants. I do here with all my power accept you as my Lord and head. I renounce my own worthiness and vow that you are the Lord my righteousness. I renounce my own wisdom and take you for my only guide. I renounce my own will and take your will as my law. And then there's a a part here about suffering. Christ has told you that you must suffer with him. I do here covenant with you, O Christ, to take my lot with you as it may fall. Through your grace, I promise that neither life nor death shall part me from you. So here again, we're not saying everything's just going to be puppies and rainbows from here on. We recognize that following Christ involves self-denial, and it also involves suffering. The next sermon we're going to look at is Wesley's sermon on self-denial, which I think is a really important one uh, for this time. God has given us holy laws, continues the covenant prayer. And we say that we willingly put our necks under your yoke to carry your burden. All, our, all your laws are holy, just, and good. And so we take them as our rule for our words, our thoughts, our actions, promising that we will strive to order our whole lives according to your direction and not allow ourselves to neglect anything we know to be our duty. So this is really, again, making a covenant with God. And as the book of worship here says, we're advised to make this covenant not only in our hearts, but in word, not only in word, but in writing. And that's one of the reasons why we print out the whole service. It's it's perfectly fine to put it up on the screen, I think. But I think when people have something in their hands and at the end, we give people time during prayer to sign it, to take it home with them. And again, keep it with their Bible to refer to it throughout the year. This covenant we have made on earth, we pray at the end, may it be ratified in heaven. I also think it's a marvelous opportunity for us to come to the table to celebrate the new covenant after we have renewed our covenant with God. A lot of churches do communion on the first Sunday of the month. We do it every Sunday at our church, but this is an opportunity for us to seal that covenant again by coming and having the covenant meal uh, with Christ. Again, a great, a great opportunity for us at the beginning of the year to refocus ourselves. And as we think about where Methodism is going and the different streams that are out there, uh, 
some going more towards the global Methodist church, some remaining in the United Methodist church, a lot of other Methodist traditions out there. This is one of those things I think that can really bond us together because we are saying that we're giving ourselves over to God. We're giving ourselves into the hands of Christ to be used for his work as we will. So I hope you'll take a look at the Wesley Covenant service. Again, I'll place a a copy of the full text in the show notes so you have those. And I hope you'll use it. And even if your church doesn't do it on this particular year, you might want to try to do that yourself, just to work through that service on your own, to keep it with you and allow yourself to surrender as we begin the year so that we can serve Christ as Christians and as Methodists in a way that is pleasing to him, that makes a difference for his kingdom. Well, that's it for this edition of Wednesdays with Wesley. I promise to get back to posting more episodes. Not sure I'll be able to do it weekly with a lot going on, but I'm going to try to do that as much as possible. I hope you'll continue to join me. Again, uh, send out to your friends and neighbors. Tell them about Wednesdays with Wesley. If you've got a small study group or something like that you'd like to use, uh, there's a great edition of Wesley Sermons. As I've said, it's by Jason Vickers and, um, oh gosh, and and by Ken Collins. Sorry, Ken. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you might want to grab a copy of that and start working through Wesley Sermons yourself. They're also available online. Thanks for joining me for Wednesdays with Wesley. We'll see you back here again next time.